Welcome to the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, where it's all about slashing your debt, slashing your taxes, and creating a liberated lifestyle. And now, your host, who met his wife while training for the 400 meters in Seattle and is eating gluten-free while lusting after bread, Dave Denniston. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping doctors like you slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. Well, this year we have talked a lot about investments because a lot of that I hadn't been able to do in the far past, and so I'm making up for, for lost time here. The topic today unicorn in mutual funds. Many of you know that I am someone that loves to invest in direct businesses, doing that myself in my lamb flipping company, tax liens, being interested in self-storage, and I've done all kinds of interesting things in the past on top of that, even lending money privately to small companies. So I've tried a number of different things over the years, and there are many of us that rather than taking all the time and effort and work of running something yourself, you go and invest into a private placement fund, or you get into this world of private equity. Certainly, private equity itself really can involve owning companies, it can involve investing alongside other people in a private placement fund. It can be through a hedge fund or something like that. So there's lots of ways that people get involved in the private equity world. There is an article that Morningstar puts out specifically for, for professionals that have this title, Tracking Unicorns in Mutual Funds. And the subtitle being, Fund Companies Have Embraced Ownership of Private Equity with Mixed Results. And what's interesting in the world of investing, when you look at unicorns, this concept of unicorns in private equity, what essentially that means is that we are taking money and investing it in companies that aren't public yet. And so if you can imagine you were interested in investing in Facebook before it went public, uh, people that had millions of dollars, you know, Facebook was attracting money. Often you'll get road shows historically of big investment banks helping to raise money to invest in a company that isn't public yet, but needs to have the capital to keep going. And the reason you have an initial public offering is to raise a ton of capital among the general public. So anyone could invest into it. But prior to that, generally you gotta have a ton of money to invest in private equity directly. A unicorn in the world of private equity essentially means you're, you're looking for that one company out of 10,000 that will 
majorly multiply your money and potentially make you amazingly wealthy. Like just imagine investing in, in Microsoft in 1982 as Bill Gates and Paul Allen were, were getting it going or an Apple in 1981, right? How wealthy would you be today if you did that? Now, along the way in private equity, you have plenty of companies that go bankrupt. And so that's why these companies that do so well are called unicorns, right? They are so unique. For every investment, they have a very small percentage that actually do well if you're a private equity investor. And so a lot of institutions with institutional money, like imagine here in the state of Minnesota, there are pension funds for public employees they might invest in private equity. Here we have the University of Minnesota that has an endowment fund. The endowment may invest in private equity as part of it. Private equity may even include houses, but in this case, we're talking about publicly traded companies. Uh, you have hedge funds and places like that that might invest in private equity in these kinds of, of companies. And then last of all, you have mutual fund managers. And what the article is saying is that mutual fund managers who traditionally only traded in publicly traded companies risked missing out on a lot of companies' really robust growth periods, the time before they went public. And see, this time that companies went public before, if you look in the 90s and the 80s and the 70s and even the early 2000s, you would have companies that they would go public back when maybe the company might be valued at a billion dollars or less. Well, now a lot of companies are waiting, 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 waiting until they're worth like $200 billion. And so mutual fund companies were missing out on that growth from like a billion dollars to the $200 billion level. So they wanted to get in on the game. And so they're saying here that some mutual fund managers expanded their investable scope to include private firm equities. And often regulations in a mutual fund would limit that to 15% of the portfolio assets at time of purchase. Which I think what's interesting about a lot of these mutual funds, right? Mutual funds allow all of us to potentially get in on this action because anyone can purchase a mutual fund. And certain companies have done that. Some, if you look at the history, have done far better than others. Now, I'm not going to name the specific funds, but I'll say the kind of companies that are running these kind of funds are Barron and T. Rowe Price are the ones that have the most common. If you read this article, they particularly focus on a couple of barren funds that have uh, multiple holdings. Uh, they're like 11% of their portfolio. One of the T. Rowe prices here has 51 private equity holdings that make up 10% of the portfolio. So you could potentially acquire one of these things that gives you that opportunity to partake in that growth. And now for a commercial break. Every year, about this time of the year, I have physicians asking me, Dave, I hate the taxes I'm paying. How can I lower my taxes? How can I understand what the heck is going on here? Well, that's why we have put together a tax cheat sheet that really has almost everything that you'd ever want to know about taxes. 
two-page document, super simple. I put together a few videos to walk you through it. All you have to do to receive this awesome document is tax the word cheat sheet, all one word, C-H-E-A-T-S-H-E-E-T to 833-343-2986. If you want to get your copy of the 2023 tax cheat sheet, make sure to text the word, all one word, cheat sheet, C-H-E-A-T-S-H-E-E-T to 833-343-2986. Nothing better you can do for yourself than to get educated on taxes. And so, my friends, make sure to download that cheat sheet again. You can text all one word cheat sheet to 833-343-2986. And now, back to the show. There are plenty of cautionary tales where private equity as I mentioned earlier, isn't some golden ticket that's going to make you automatically rich. There are plenty that fail. One of the big ones being WeWork, which if you haven't watched that documentary, I think it was on Hulu, about WeWork and everything that happened behind the scenes there. Really good documentary, I highly, highly recommend. And for a time, it looked like WeWork steak was gonna be amazing. You know, it went from like 15 bucks a share in valuation before it was IPO'd to looking like it was going to be like a 600 or 700% rate of return. But then his conduct came about where he was basically uh, using it as, as a scam in a lot of ways. And so then they had to write down their stake by 80% and then wrote it down by 95%. Company still stuck around, but they had to write it down tremendously. Other examples of ones that have gone well, you know, in some of these things, being things like Airbnb, SpaceX, um, those kinds of companies. So keep in mind that when a mutual fund is investing in this kind of stuff, we're taking on that much more risk. Uh, but they're doing it on behalf of us that don't. The other interesting thing about private capital when you're investing private equity in some of these companies before they're an IPO, there's a lockup period by which these people who are early stage investors, they can't just sell it when it's IPO'd on day one. You have to wait. And so usually uh, mutual funds, for example, they can't trade their shares for a whole six months after the IPO. So you're just waiting, waiting, waiting if you're a mutual fund manager that holds some of this stuff to say, gosh, can I finally sell and lock in some of my gains on these things, assuming that you have them. If you looked at something like Facebook, right, it had a tremendous IPO initially, and then it fell to the pits and then, you know, rose tremendously. It rose to the pits as some of the lockup period went away. So it definitely can stop a lot of these mutual funds and, and other investors from selling early. And some of the challenges as they're dealing with this is how do they value these companies? How transparent are the finances? How much risk is baked into the price? You know, how, how do you look at this when most of these companies that are pre-IPOs aren't actually making money? 
they're depending upon the these investors essentially to finance them and keep them afloat until the point at which they are making money because they're constantly reinvesting, reinvesting, reinvesting. This article also shows some of the private firm equity returns for each of the funds. So I think that's interesting and worth looking at. I mean, it ranged all the way from negative 20% on the portfolios all the way to positive 20% with all the way in the middle. And we're in a really interesting world now where here we are, I'm recording this in late April of 2023. 2022 was a horrible year where a lot of IPOs got shelved. And now this year, things are a little bit better. Interest rates are higher. A lot of those private equity companies are really running out of room and they need to raise more money. And so they're having to grapple with when do we go IPO? And so that can be a factor in here too of how long does it actually take them to go full cycle on these things? Uber did that for years. They kept on waiting and waiting and waiting and finally, finally went public. And so my friends, you know, as we look at mutual funds, as we look at ETFs, what I want you to take away here is number one, if you're interested in those kinds of things, maybe having an active mutual fund manager that has some constraints on what they can do might help you in, in trying to take advantage of these new and upcoming companies without you having to do all the research into it. Another point I would make too is that they're not all home runs. And if you stick to something that tracks some of the major indices, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the S&P 500, the mid cap index, small cap index, and, and so on, that you might still be better off in some of those things. And I, I would really strongly suggest to anyone that's interested in this kind of thing, check it out, learn about it, never rely on past performance to dictate the future, uh, but it could be an indication of, of how good are they at managing it. So think about it. Think about if unicorns is something you want in your portfolio or not. Um, think about how much you want to dedicate towards these kinds of investments. So I hope that leaves you with some things to think about and consider in looking at any mutual fund or ETF that specializes in these sorts of things. Have any questions? Feel free to reach out to me, Dave at DavidDeniston.com. If you are interested in this article, I'd be happy to make a copy for you. So again, just feel free to email me and I'd be happy to make a copy for you of this article because it's really, really good and well done for you to think about. Well, thank you so much, my friends. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. Well, thank you, my friends, so much for listening to the last podcast. I am pleased to announce that I am now a completely independent financial advisor, where to the point now, I can really integrate my financial planning practice with this podcast. If you might be looking for help, if you have found any of our information here interesting or relevant, and you're looking for a second opinion, I'm making myself available for 30 minute strategy sessions. And if you want to arrange a time to meet with me to discuss your situation and see if we might be a good fit for one another, I'd like you to call our office and speak with Kyla. Our phone number is 612-284-2409. Again, that's 612-284-2409. And I look forward to helping you with your financial situation. 
for some lovely legal disclosures required by our lawyer friends. Investment advice is only offered in jurisdictions where Centurion Financial Strategies, LLC, Centurion is appropriately registered or exempt from registration. Our Form ADV Part 2 brochure can be obtained free of charge at advisorinfo.sec.gov by searching for our firm name or its unique CRD number, which is 316-454. This podcast is not a solicitation to provide advisory services in any jurisdiction which we're not appropriately registered or excluded. The information, statements, and opinions contained in this podcast have been obtained from or are based on information obtained from sources which we believe to be reliable, but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of such information. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as personalized investment, tax, or legal advice. Opinions expressed by any guest are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the firm's views. You should carefully consider your own financial circumstances and needs prior to making any investment in securities or purchasing any insurance products. As always, past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing in securities or really anything else involves the risk of loss. If by some chance in this particular podcast I mentioned insurance products, insurance products are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of an issuing insurance company. They may be subject to restrictions, limitations, and early withdrawal fees, which vary by issue. You should always consider the charges, risks, expenses, and investment objective of any insurance products before entering a contract. And that, my friends, wraps it up. Wish you all the best. Feel free to contact us with any info at www.daviddeniston.com. Thank you so much and have a good one. Bye-bye.